Hello and welcome to your path to success with Ruth Kearns Volman. My motivation for creating this podcast continues to be to inspire, encourage, and equip you on your leadership journey by hearing the stories of successful leaders. And this interview with founder and managing director of Kinetic Consulting, Will Hogg, definitely ticks that box. I first interviewed Will about his leadership journey back in September 2019 and was just about to publish it in March when the first wave of COVID hit us here. And I decided to pivot and to record some new episodes directed towards what we were experiencing at the time. So I'm delighted to be able to come back to this interview and find that it is more relevant than ever. Will demonstrate some timeless aspects of great leadership, balancing vision and action, relationships and process, being and doing. He also talks, interestingly, about the role that challenge and crisis has played in his journey on several occasions as he seeks to build a company whose impact goes way beyond the bottom line. Enjoy the interview. Today's guest on the podcast, Will Hogg, is the founder and managing director of Kinetic, a strategic consultancy group based here in Geneva, Switzerland. Hi. Hi, Will. I love it that Kinetic's tagline is vision to action, um, because your strategic ability to draw a clear line from vision to action and engage people in it is so clearly a core strength of yours. And you've been putting this to practice as long as I've known you, which is nearly 20 years now, uh, when we were working together in P&G. Uh, in the same business unit, and you were the HR leader and really the right hand of Robert Youngstra, our president. But I know that often these core strengths of ours show up much earlier in our lives. Maybe we wouldn't label it like that at the time. Um, But I'm curious if you can remember when it was that you learned to set a vision, overcome obstacles, and engage others to act. So I guess there are two sides to this. The first, as my close friends and family would undoubtedly tell you, is that once I fix an objective, I can be ridiculously stubborn. My intuition uh, is that this stems from the fact that I was actually born with a club foot. So as a teenager in particular, this used to make me sometimes feel humiliated, sad, uh, and frankly angry, because it would cause me discomfort, as well as giving me quite a funny walk. Over time, though, and and really having achieved my childhood dream of becoming an army officer in spite of those foot problems, it really became a source of strength, and it's growing as a source of strength and an inner belief that I I could and can achieve whatever I set my heart on, whatever the apparent obstacles are. The second part, the second side, and the flip side, is that the other two parts of your observation, so moving to action and engaging people, actually and and ironically highlight significant leadership challenges for me. The first is that in moving to action, one of the most consistent pieces of feedback that I've received from teams for the last 25 years is that I can often be insufficiently clear and granular on what is needed to move to execution. Equally, if you talk about the engaging people point, and, and despite the fact that I have a genuine desire to connect to people, I have a genuine desire to understand what makes them tick, I can sometimes step past that due to my own overwhelming task focus. So to answer your question, my belief is that I probably really value these aspects of leadership precisely because I have to work so hard at them. 
and because I've I've many times and in many different cons- uh, many different situations seen the consequences of not giving them the attention that they deserve. Yeah. So what I understand is that you've always been quite determined. Yep. You know, and you probably irritated the hell out of people sometimes with that. You know, driving towards action. Yeah. And what you've learned on the way, because all our strengths have a flip side, right? Um, is that you need to focus on the engaging people. Yep. And my experience of working with you when we were at PNG was that that was a, a core part of, I don't know whether you learned that from Robert, I certainly learned that from Robert, but um, it was a core part of what you were doing uh, as a kind of a partnership there was um, everybody in the team needed to know how they impacted the bottom line. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I definitely learned that in the context of, of P&G in that case with Robert. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, P&G was a place where you, you were there for, for 10 years. You were already showing these uh, strengths and engaging them and, and growing in them. What, in the end, caused you to leave and to found your own company? Yeah. Um, again, there's two parts to this. So it's a story of pull and a story of push. The pull is that since I was a teenager, I've been really driven, I continue to be driven, to provide opportunity for people born into less fortunate circumstances than I was. I think this was partially nurture, in that my mother, in whom I'm very proud, has spent significant parts of her life working with adolescent women in some very challenging situations and parts of the world. This example for me was then deepened by personal experiences. Firstly, I had a year in a youth club in inner city Liverpool. And then later, I was training young soldiers from significantly tougher contexts than the one that I grew up in. And all of that added up to really instill this desire in me to ensure that I left, that I personally left the most positive footprint that I could on my part of the world. So that was really a pull that sometimes felt very challenging in what for me was sometimes the rarefied context of a blue chip corporate. Mm-hmm. A wonderful place to work, but sometimes for me, I, I had this pull between, between the privilege that I felt there and what I really wanted to do mm. with my life. Mm. The push, uh, which was, it was an unfortunate push, and, and in retrospect, you know, every cloud has a silver lining, is that my father died suddenly. He was only 61, and it was just before Christmas 2007. And... Obviously, I was at his funeral, uh, and seeing so many people there who genuinely loved him, so many people, was was for me both moving and and really challenging. Mm. And it made me immediately reassess my own priorities in life and and ask myself, imagine that I die age 61, what will I have wanted or needed to achieve if if I die in 25 years' time? So with that catalyst, uh, and given the dream above, the, the pull part, it's, it's really only natural in retrospect that I, I then left P&G within a year. And, and whilst there have been many twists and turns since then, and I guess we're going to talk about them, the objective or my objective has remained very constant since I resigned 11 years ago, which is to build a business that provides the resource to positively impact the lives of disadvantaged youth. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how the core desire is to have a greater impact to do something more and the 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 I, I see your values showing up there values of uh you know what really wanting to serve and help people who are more disadvantaged and to to give back in a way and I guess a lot of us have that and and many people I know probably including myself uh, left PNG with big dreams 
Um, but not everybody who makes that shift, that leap, succeeds. In fact, many people dream of founding their own company, but there's a minority who make it past the first few years. Mm. What key strategies and actions enabled you to succeed and, and get over the challenge of the first few years? Yeah, I'm probably going to misquote it, but there's some saying along the lines of, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Mm. And, and this is a very simple truth for me that I, I keep learning, sometimes by mistakes, sometimes by success, but I keep learning over and over again. And that's because what I what I find is that when I'm alone, uh, often my strengths are overused and then they work against me. So my drive, that stubbornness that we <laughs> talked about, in the context of a clear objective, can become a very naive belief that just pushing hard enough will always work out in the end. And when I meet obstacles, I, I can get very just focused on, well, if I just keep pushing, it will happen. And this clear misunderstanding, this clear error, has caused me to make some major mistakes. It's, I've made big mistakes in investments. I've made big mistakes in deals. I've made big mistakes in projects. I've made big mistakes in strategy choices. And I've made big mistakes in hiring. And at worst, on top of that, my natural optimism can cause me to keep reinforcing those errors when it's clear to other people around me that I should stop. Right. Conversely... You know, where we are today, where Kinetic is today, is because it's now driven by a team. And it's driven by a team of, of um, again, I think we'll talk about it later, but values-based professionals who all have 20 to 25-year track records in leading organizations. That gives them the credibility and the right to talk with the client at eye level. And this team has, has really been built on the foundation of, of three great people who, are, who have been there from the start and who I would always want to acknowledge. There's Gus Newby Grant, who is our first employee. There's Dave Livingston, my closest friend and business partner. Mm -hmm. And there's Robert, who you've referred to already, who's been my mentor for the last 20 years. And in different ways, what these three people, and now so many others around me have done, is to really balance an unfailing and, and sometimes very practical support with the tough love feedback that I absolutely need and continue mm -hmm. to need to stay on the straight and narrow. And this idea of success through others keeps coming back for me because it has to include our clients as well. Yeah. At Kinetic, we, we have a mantra and we're very proud of our mantra that we want to be our client's best employee. And I'm well aware, and in, indeed some employees here will tell you that it can sound very arrogant, but in my view, it's truly not arrogant. It's, it's an absolute conviction that we are literally nothing as a business without our clients. And therefore... We have to strive and, and win and rewin their confidence and their faith every single day. Mm. And when, to clarify, when I, when I say we'd be nothing, I don't just mean financially because that's obvious. I mean, I mean that, but I also mean in the sense of learning, growing, evolving, and therefore surviving. Mm. And the, to end the point here, I'd say that the last 11 client-facing years for all of us at Kinetic have felt like a never-ending practical and valuable MDA, MBA. And that's thanks to the, to the constant challenge, interaction and support of our clients. And it's not always easy, of course, mm. but it's always full of lessons. Mm. And I think, you know, the key point you made is about this partnership, about not being alone, being with others, um, because your strengths also need to be, you know, compensated by other people's strengths. Absolutely. Um, I would also say, just to compliment you a little bit here, <laughs> is that you have the ability to attract those people. And so there's something that you're doing right, which I, I think is probably also, um, I could be wrong here, but linked to humility. 
because if it if you you know I've been in organizations where the leader doesn't want to have feedback mm. um and so for people to give you the tough love there has to be a relationship of trust there right there has to be some openness to learn and to grow and probably one of the reasons why you've been successful is because you know you said it at the end your willingness to learn and grow from others and from your clients well, the good news is the three people I mentioned give you no choice. <laughs> okay, so you, you've got, but you've, I mean, you've had friends from the beginning and mentors. I mean, yeah. many people avoid, avoid having as friends or mentors the people who are really going to tell them the way it is. So, yeah. you know, I think that that's probably key for all of us to surround ourselves with the right people who are going to tell us what we need to hear. You founded Kinetic 11 years ago, and so now you've been doing it longer than you were in P&G. What are you most proud of achieving, and what have been some of the biggest disappointments or, or even failures? Yeah. So that there are certain elements that have been there from the early days in which we're all proud. If you were to walk around the office right now, I think what you would hear is that we have a fantastic client list that includes some of the most respected companies in the world in some very different industries from, to mention a few, HSBC, ABB, Caterpillar, Shell. And on top, we have a 75% repeat rate. So, you know, this is, a, this is an industry measure. And, and obviously, I, I will joke, it's not for coming back to answer the same problem. But most recently, uh, two years ago, at a, at a deeper level, I, I was sitting in hospital. I just had a, a large lump removed from inside my head. And, and I took the opportunity, there wasn't much else to do, so I, I took the opportunity to reappraise how I was doing and how the business was doing against the objectives that I set myself after my father died. And really, as I look back, there was a lot that I was proud of, but equally I identified two major issues that I determined to fix after I recovered. The first was my natural tendency to pace set as a leader. Pace setting in the sense in, in terms of, of, of taking on too much myself, doing it myself, not allowing space for other people to mm. contribute as they could. And I realized that, that this was seriously limiting the growth potential of Kinetic. And secondly, and, and partially as a consequence of the, the point I just made, I'd got nowhere close to where I needed to be in terms of leading towards the purpose of Kinetic, the reason I set up in the first place. Mm. So... You know, looking back over the last 24 months, whilst we and I really have a long way to go in permanently closing those gaps, I sometimes wonder if we will ever permanently close those gaps, my greatest pride is in what we've been doing to get back on the right direction in these two areas. So on the first point, we're right now heading for our most successful ever year by quite a margin, uh, driven by the broadest team contribution yet in the history of Kinetic. So we now have 50 people all working on clients this year. It's mm, impressive. Yeah. And that trend's just increasing, which is huge excitement, and it creates a huge buzz for, for all of us. And second, and, and I have to acknowledge here, a significant amount of voluntary effort and love from the Kinetic team members and indeed from some clients, we delivered our first youth development camp this year. Uh, that camp was based on mixing 16-year-olds from very different backgrounds. In fact, one of them was my daughter, um, <laughs> from private to inner city schools, right. and enabling them to work together on our kinetic leadership tools, the same kinetic leadership tools that we use with senior management in some of the corporates I talked about. 
Wow. Uh, it was fantastic. It was mm. a raging success. It was very positive for all of us who were there, very humbling, and, mm. and, and gave all of us this, this deep belief and conviction that this is just the start and there has to be a whole lot more to come. Mm. So there's some failures and, and hopefully something to be proud of as mm. well. And so what is your dream of the whole lot more to come there hmm. with the kids? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's, it, it, I think there's, there's, there's broadly two things. Um, one is, as we do our leadership development activities, some of them, for example, are with uh, some, some high net worth families, is, is in mixing, creating social mobility in those courses, so creating opportunities um, for, for peers from very different backgrounds, which frankly I think benefits everybody in the mix. Right. So that's, if you like, within the core business of Kinetic, continuing mm-hmm. to grow that. The second is, is doing more of these youth development camps. So creating more of these opportunities outside of Kinetic's core business, where many of us volunteer to create more and more of these experiences and unleash the leadership potential of, of, of people from all different contexts. Mm. So it's like um, really giving back what you've managed to learn over your life and, and, and also the team that you managed to bring together mm-hmm. to grow more leaders in the Absolutely. next generation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why for me, as well as it's, it's, it's so emotional to see the, the kinetic team giving their time and, and frankly their love uh, to, to these type of projects uh, and even more to then have clients come in on the journey. And, and mm-hmm. my hope is to grow this into, into truly a, 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 a virtuous cycle where mm-hmm. everybody is giving back and benefiting at the same time. Mm. What I love about what you're building is that you know, it reflects, we, we talked at the beginning about the vision to action and the whole kind of strategic and, and, and action-focused thinking, solutions-focused thinking. But this, what you're building here, reflects so much more than that part of who you are. It's, it's reflecting your values and, and your purpose and yeah. uh, your core essence, if you like, as a, as a person, as a leader. Yeah. Um, and that speaks to me uh, because one of the things that, from, from my own experience and also working with my clients, one of, one of my key beliefs about leadership su- success is that uh, a, an awareness of who we are and the impact we have when we're at our best and, you know, as you said, also what we're like when we're at our worst, you know, with our, with our weaknesses, um, can massively impact, uh, affect how impactful, how, how, how effective we are uh, and impactful as leaders. Um, and when I think about my own leadership journey, I realized that at the beginning, you know, I went from not having a clue what leadership was, just knowing that people kept on asking me to lead things mm-hmm. to going to P&G and realizing, oh, you know, there's, there's a, what, there's a method for doing this. You know, I'm going to learn this, you know, do this, then do this, then do this and, and so on. And, and then I'm going to become a good leader to finally getting to the point of realizing, no, this, this, this doesn't work for me. It's like putting on clothes that are the wrong size and, yeah. and, and getting to the point of being able to say, oh, you know, actually, this has to come from who I am. So there's there's the doing of leadership. You can you can learn techniques, but there's a being, isn't there, that that, that amplifies the doing. I completely relate to that and to that concept of being versus doing. In fact, it's something we we often talk about in kinetic because as a as a general principle, it's how we choose to operate as an organisation and also how to facilitate with our clients and to make that a a, a bit more practical. It's about ensuring that we focus as much on relationships and connection as on content and process, mm-hmm. which comes back to one of the blind spots I, I spoke about at mm. the beginning. If I think about how do I 
how do I try to, to turn this into reality as a leader myself? What I really try to do and, and what I strive to do is, is to lead by setting an inspiring vision, hopefully one that is, is, is much bigger than, than I or any other person is, and then surrounding myself with like-minded individuals and then really encouraging them to deliver on the vision in their way right. and just getting out of the way. Mm. And you know, I think that only, and it comes to your being point, I think that only works in Kinetic because we have shared values. Mm. It's a huge part of our recruiting criteria. Mm. And those values are based around client focus and they're based around the highest standards and, mm. and being relentless about those standards. And, you know, let's be honest, I, I'm aware that every organization in the world would claim that they're based around values. I hope that what our difference is, and, and really I think it's what we all work at, it's what we're challenging each other, is that in the kinetic team, we really strive every day to, to turn that from being a cliche into a reality, into a real modus operandi. Mm. And the way we try to do that is to think about how do our values drive not only the big steps, like the youth development camp, but also how do values drive operational questions, such as you know who do we hire, who do we work with, mm. how do we work with people, mm. how do we interact with our clients, how do we connect with each other. Mm. And, and of course, you know, sometimes that drives conflict and sometimes it, it can even drive us stepping away from certain clients or, or certain, certain employee relationships. But, but uh, you know, I'm very clear that it's only by building that base of purpose and values that Kinetic can become the organization mm. it should. It's interesting because one of the biggest observations I have with people who come for coaching because they're somehow dissatisfied with their current job or their, their current role is that there is more often a clash of values with the organization they're, they're in yeah. than, than a clash of competence or something like that. Yeah. And it takes people having this awareness of their values and what is it that, that we're continually rubbing up against with each other for them to choose the right next move. Yeah. And so that's an um, important aspect here of, of awareness. And also this, this thing of, yes, yeah, surrounding yourself. I remember somebody saying once to me, surround yourself with people who believe the same things but think differently. Yeah, perfect. And I think that's really, really interesting, really what we're talking about, is you don't want people just telling you what you want to hear, but you want people who, you know, you're, you're kind of arm in arm going forward in the same direction together, at least. Yeah. So you've been doing this for 11 years Looking forward, what's your vision for the next seven, 11 years? I was going to say seven then. <laughs> That's okay. Well, interestingly, last year we had our 10-year celebration, mm -hmm. which was a great time with kinetic friends and clients. And at the event, we discussed a vision that is absolutely constant a year on, and I hope will be constant for a long time to come. And to start with, potentially, the, the let's call it the hygiene factor, it's, it's of a business three or four times the current size of kinetic. More importantly, though, it's of a self-directed team that morphs around client-relevant areas of expertise. So we have this passion of identifying where we can add value to the client, bringing best practice from all sorts of different industries and, and, and people with that experience and different insights, and then building a team around that, very much in line with the way you were just talking. At the even higher level, though, it's about an organization that, that the whole reason for this is that it can support significant and increasing philanthropic activity focused on improving the lives of disadvantaged youth along the lines that we were talking earlier. And 
I have to say it because we're a service industry, it has to be and it needs to be, and I'm proud to say it has to be, an amazing list of clients continuing to grow with Mm, us. mm. So if you had to predict some of the challenges that you're going to face in the next 11 years, what would you predict? Yeah, so I think there's, there's, there's... from a doing perspective, if I use your distinction, there's there's a set of challenges behind every statement that I just made. So growth will have its challenges. Uh, growing with more clients and, and deep with clients will have its own challenges. Building the team will have its challenges. Getting the areas that we focus on right will have its challenges, etc. But given that this is a leadership podcast, the, 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 the being challenges are... And, you know, for me, it's kind of funny. I... If I say it in a, in a judgmental way, I would say that it can be frustrating that I'm very sure that in two years and five years and ten years, I will stumble across exactly the same leadership challenges in myself as I have in the last five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five years. Uh, and, and that can sound very boring and like the story of Sisyphus. Um, if I'm more forgiving, and, and I think this is, this is the, the most important reflection for me, it's that sense that, yes, they're the same challenges, but it's in a new context, it's in a bigger mm. context, it's mm. in a more complicated context, mm. and therefore it's peeling the famous onion uh, and understanding more and more about what will probably always be my blind spots, but, but hopefully having built on, on some lessons from the past. Mm. You've got a few people to shine torches on. Yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> And so if we wanted to sum up and, and give some tips or encouragement to to people who want to grow in their leadership you know what would you say what Mm. would you encourage people with i would say balance being highly aware of yourself with forgiveness that you might keep stumbling on the same issues yeah i i think that it's so true and you know there, there are the people who who have a stronger belief in themselves than others and they need help sometimes seeing their blind spots and the people who are very focused on their blind spots, they also need to be able to look at their strengths and, yeah. and, and look at it with self-compassion. Like you said, it's, you know, you can, you can be hard on yourself or you can say, yeah, I screwed up, but I know that I can learn and grow and that, you know, I may be doing the same thing again and again, but I'm actually going up a spiral staircase. I've gone up another level. Perfectly said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Will, thank you so much. It's been really inspiring to talk to you. And um, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen in the future with Kinetic. And especially with your leadership development program. Thank you very much indeed. For me, it has been so refreshing to come back to this conversation after a tough year because Will clearly demonstrates how at several points in his life he engaged with challenge and crisis and allowed them to become a catalyst for resetting his vision and priorities as well as driving personal growth. My question is, how can we do the same? I believe by following his advice of stepping back to review with self-awareness but also compassion and forgiveness. Here are some questions you may want to ask yourself as you look to review your year and reset or adjust. Where have I maybe got off track with my purpose or values? What's truly important? What do I need to change to put those important things first? And how will I do that? Finally, 
Who do I need to surround myself with to make this happen? Because as Will quoted, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I wish you and your loved ones a small oasis of peace and joy in this season, despite the challenges it presents, and a fresh, exciting vision for the coming year.